Man, that was awesome. I don't know, I was sharing with the first service, I don't know what you are going through. I don't know what first service was going through. But the Bible says that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. We have overcome. Not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus Christ is. We are overcomers. And the first song that we're singing, where it talks about He is our rock, He is our rock, He is our rock. You know, whatever you might be going through, you might be shaken at times. But the rock is never shaken. He, he remains the same. And I just want to encourage you. Um, I was reading the other day an article last Saturday, not last night, but the Saturday before. A pastor in Louisiana was preaching a Saturday night service and a man came in with a shotgun and shot him, killed him. He was at the pulpit. And as I was thinking about that, I'm going, whoa, it's pretty hardcore. That catches my attention. I don't know why. But, <laughs> but that church has been rocked. But Jesus is not rocked. Not at all. That church, I'm sure, are struggling and having to regroup and having to, to deal with this whole thing. But Jesus is not rocked. And that's the perspective that we need to have. That Jesus is never rocked. And I just want to encourage you in that this morning. Amen? Amen. If you will, this morning, turn in your Bibles to James chapter 5. As we continue in the last chapter of this book, the book of James, we will have one more study left next week. We will be finishing this book. And we will then move into First uh, Peter right after that. And so encourage you to pray ahead and read ahead and all those kinds of things as God prepares us for another book. But this book has just been amazing. Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen says All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what the scripture is to us. And the book of James fits this to a T. (laughs) The book of James nails it. The book of James is a, it, it has given us a treasure trove of all that we need for practical Christian living. It has, it has delivered This book has been rich. It has been rich in telling us what we should do and what we need to do. I love this book because it holds nothing back. Anything that would help us for our daily lives, this book, you can find it. Because it's so practical. It is so practical that everything that you can possibly think of that you go through is in the book of James here that you could be spoken to. And my prayer is, if you've been with us for a while, that God has been speaking to you through this book. Because of the, the, the Word of God and what it can do, that it could reprove us and it could, it, it, it could do that work in us so that if we need doctrine, reproof, correction, or instruction, it, 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 it nails us. <laughs> because this book has hit the very core of where we live. 
and who we are. Because if you lack any of these things like doctrine or reproof or correction or instruction, if you lack any of these things or need help in them, this book will not hesitate to set you straight. (laughs) It's that good. So, one of the things that that I have enjoyed about the book of James is that he drives home points. And one of the points that he has been trying to drive home throughout this book is patience. Don't you love it? Patience. Having patience in our lives can truly keep us from from wrecking ourselves. (laughs) Having patience in our lives can, can, can really help us and keep us from making a mess of everything. Making a mess of our own lives, making the mess, a mess of other people's lives. Patience is amazing, but it is probably one of the hardest things that we need to do as Christians, isn't it? Ah, don't you just hate it sometimes? It's like, dang, why, 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 why couldn't patience come so easy? You know? And, 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 and here's the crux, the core, the, the bottom line of, of this whole issue of patience. It can only be perfected going through difficult times. That's the only time that patience can be perfected. If you go through difficult times, that's when it's being perfected. And that's again, and you're going like, why couldn't patience be just one of those things that comes so easily? You know how anger kind of comes so easily to us? Why couldn't patience be like that, right? (laughs) But it only gets perfected in our lives through difficult times. That's the only time. And and James started off his letter talking about patience, and he has alluded to patience throughout the entire letter. And now as we get to the end of the letter, he finishes it off talking about patience once again. And so what can we surmise from this letter? Knowing that he has also touched on the subject of the tongue. Ah, Well, we can surmise... (laughs) If we want to live a practical Christian life, watch what you say and be patient. That's it. It's all easy, right? Just watch what you say and be patient. Didn't even get a name, man, or anything from that one. But because it says, like, that's it. That's the hardest thing to do. So anyways, chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mow your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. 
You, are conde- you have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, my brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it, for it until he receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, my uh, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Going back to verses 7 and 9, where we start off, he says, therefore, be patient, my brethren. Be patient. In other words, James is saying in direct correlation in dealing with the rich, as we have just read through that, again, going in context, as he's been talking about the rich, he gets to verse 7 and he says, be patient. (laughs) In other words, he says, what else can I say? But be patient and let the Lord deal with those who are treating you this way. Now, it's interesting to me as I was looking at this, given the fact that, that, that James just let the rich have it. <laughs> he just like nailed these, these guys. You know, he, he talks about what they're doing, and then he turns around and he says, but you, be patient. And I like that because it's almost like, like he, as the pastor, as the, the, the one that's writing this letter, saying to his congregation, saying to the people, you don't worry about what they have done to you. And it's almost like, hey, I've just let them have it on your behalf. <laughs> you don't worry about that. Let somebody else worry about what the rich are doing to the people. You, my brother, and it's almost like, again, he's throwing this encouragement to them. You, be patient. Wait on the Lord. Leave it up to others to take care of it, especially the Lord. More than likely, guys, in our life, as we live on this earth, more than likely, we are not going to see all the wrongs righted. Everything that the world does against people, the injustices that happen in in people's lives, we are not going to see them all righted. But we have never been told that we would. The Scripture never tells us that we will see peace here on earth like that. We, we often have the wrong perspective that everything in the world should be right and just. And I think it's a fantasy land for us as Christians to think that, that everything in the world should be right. 
And I'm here to tell you that it's not. It is not true. We have a wrong perspective in that. We want everything to be right. Right on. Keep on thinking that. But understand that the proper perspective is it's not going to turn out that way. It's, it's, it's just not. Not in light of this fallen world. Because of this fallen world, it will never be like that. Now, that does not mean that we shouldn't be trying all we can to make a difference in this world. We have been called to go against this fallen world. We have been called to do what is right all the time. Even though we're not going to see all the wrongs righted. Us, as believers, have to continue to be patient, even though everything seems to go wrong in this world. We have to continue to be patient to do what is right in all these aspects, in, 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 in waiting for, for the right things to be happening, even though they're never going to be accomplished. In total, we have been called to do what is right. Be patient. Be patient in knowing that God will work in the here and now. That, 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 that we will sometimes see some wrongs righted, but not all the time. Sometimes we do see justice served, and we get happy about that, and we go, hooray. But not all the time. We, we, we need to be patient knowing that God will work today. But also to be patient until the coming of the Lord. Because then, that is when all the wrongs will be righted. So we need to be patient. We need to be patient in both aspects. In the here and now, that sometimes we might see it, but in the long run, where it will eventually be righted. Much of our impatience, our... our annoyances, irritations, and just downright frustrations come from our lack of understanding, which kind of shows the lack of our maturity. Because, again, if we think that everything should go right in the world, then it's just a lack of maturity, and you don't understand exactly what the Scriptures are saying, that there will always be just wrongs happening. We live in a, in a fallen world. We, 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 we lack in understanding that this whole thing, what we are involved in, in this world, this whole battle belongs to the Lord. Even though we're part of the army, He is in, the, in control. He, he gives us an illustration of, of the farmer here. And... It would be foolish of a farmer to think that it is totally up to him to make his crops come forth. That he, 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 he does it all. No, he understands that there is work to be done on his part, but most of it is out of his control. He does whatever he has to do, but he cannot control the weather. 
He cannot control whatever's in the ground. He cannot control weeds and all these kinds of things that will pop up and, 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 and things that will come up from underneath the ground and eat away at all. The, he cannot control all those things. It would be foolish of him to think that it's all up to him. He knows he has to do his part. But wouldn't it be silly for him to, to plant the seed and then every morning go out and unearth it and pick it up and see if anything's happening and then put it back in and then, and then do it again, thinking that he is helping it along because he has to make it grow. It would be foolish of him to go do that. He will stifle it. It will never grow if he keeps on doing it day in and day out. That will never happen. And so it would be foolish of him to go and do that. No, he understands he has to do his part. And then back in the day, at that time, and in that region, the farmers, they had to wait patiently. They did whatever they could, but they had to wait patiently for the rain. They needed the early rain so that it could soften up the soil and they can go and, and cultivate it and begin to, to work the soil so they can plant. And then they had to wait patiently for the latter rain so that it can help water their crops. You see, we need to be about the business at hand. We need to be about the business at hand that we have been called to. And that is to occupy do business till He comes. Keep ourselves busy in the things that God has called us to. Just like the farmer, he goes about his business after he has planted the seed. He doesn't just sit there and do nothing. He understands, he has this hope within him that if he does his part, he will be gathering up a harvest later on. So he goes about taking care of whatever he needs to take care of, preparing for the, the harvest to come. He just doesn't sit around and do nothing. And so we, as Christians, have been called to be about our Father's business, to occupy until he, until he comes. There's always something to do when we're waiting for the harvest. When we're waiting for, for God to do certain things in our lives, we continue to go on. You would do well. If you just establish your hearts, James says. This means to fix, strengthen, or make firm your heart. It literally means to stand firm, to be immovable in your heart. But this can only come or happen with or from a heart that is patient and waiting on the Lord, on the will of the Lord. It comes with maturity. He, he, he wants our hearts to be immovable, to be on the rock and not worry. Understanding that, or understanding all the while that the coming of the Lord is at hand. You see, sometimes our hearts get so impatient and our hearts are not established. We begin to, to worry and fret about everything about our lives instead of establishing our hearts on Him. 
We, we, we begin to get busy or think that we have to be busy when He's telling us to slow down and to just wait on Him. He, he is at hand. We begin to run around like a chicken without a head in a panic, thinking that we have to go be productive because at that time, that chicken who doesn't have a head looks very productive. He is doing a lot. He's probably running around more than he's ever run around, but he is dead as he's running. Again, he may look productive, but he will come to nothing in just a little bit. We need to establish our hearts on Christ and not worry like a chicken running around without a head. We need to be patient. This would be pretty practical in our lives as a Christian because we understand that if he, or as we, if we go about our business doing our part, that the rest of it, or really all of it, will get done because the Lord is in charge. He is in, in control. If we totally understand what it means to establish our hearts, then we're not, wor- we're not worried about what's going to happen because our hearts and our lives are established on the rock and we're not movable. He is in charge. Be about the business at hand. Be about the Father's business. And you don't have to worry about meddling in other people's business. He goes on to share here, my brethren, don't grumble about or against one another. He's encouraging them, do what you have been called to do. Worry about you in that sense. Don't worry about anybody else's business. You be about your father's business. You do what you're supposed to do. You see, a good and decent farmer, they are all about helping other people but they don't have time for drama. (laughs) They don't have time to meddle in other people's business. Because if they begin to get caught up in the drama, they get caught up in their neighbor's business, and they begin to, to grumble and complain against their neighbor, they will not be productive at home, on their own property, in what God has called them to do. They can't be busy in other people's business in that sense. They cannot be concerned with what's happening next door. Because they will never get anything done for themselves. And so he's encouraging them, don't, don't, don't worry about those things. The Lord is at hand. Trust that. When, when you are in the odds with other people, I can bet that there is no growth in patience in your life. If if you are busybody in other people's businesses, I could guarantee that there is no growth in maturity in your life. If anything, it brings about, like it says here, condemnation and in some translations, judgment. All of a sudden, people are attacking you because you've been in other people's business. James says, Behold, the judge is standing at the door. 
Again, he is saying, let the Lord handle these kinds of matters. Why, why, why do you get caught up in all those kinds of things? You just be patient. Establish your heart in Christ. You be patient. Don't worry about all those, all those other issues, all those other things. It's, it's, it's the Lord's matter, not yours. Let Him take care of them. You just be about your own Father's business. And, and if there's any vengeance that needs to be doled out, He will repay. We are to continue to live peaceably with all men. That, that, that's a paraphrase from Romans 12, 7 through 21. We are, are, we are called to be at peace with other men. We, we are not called to be busybodies. We are not called to worry about everybody else in that sense. He says, no, you, you just be patient. Don't worry if you don't see judgment coming on other people. Just let the Lord take care of that. And so again, he, he, he's been kind of telling us time and time again to, to not worry, <laughs> to, to be patient. And, and, and part of patience that James is talking about here is waiting on the Lord. He is coming again. He is at hand. He will settle those issues. You just trust Him. All, all the wrongs that have been done to His people, He will right in His timing, not in your timing. He will take care of it. So the encouragement is, be patient. <laughs> be patient. He will come again. He is at hand. He will judge. You be patient. Verses 10 through, through 11. He says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. James, James now focuses on others who have, who have had to have patience in their life because they suffered at the hands of others. It was beyond their control and others, people were, 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 were doing things to them and so they were, they were suffering at the hand of others and, and also at the hand of God. Job was, was, was suffering because God's hand was upon him. And so he says... My brethren, take the prophets. James reminds his Jewish friends, the Jewish believers here, about the prophets who they were familiar with. And he says they were ill-treated for no other reason except that they were, they were speaking for God. They were ill-treated and yet they were in the will of God. It means that they, they, they suffered, they suffered long. Another word for suffering long is, is long-tempered. They didn't have a short fuse when it came to when people were, were mistreating them or overlooking them for, for certain things. I think oftentimes we get bummed out because things don't go our way. And it's like, well, we have the prophets as examples that they were mistreated or ill-treated. Jesus even mentions the prophets in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 10 through 12, he says, Blessed are, you, blessed are those who persecute... 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The prophets are our example of patience. Because they suffered, they are our example. We read about them today because of what happened to them in their lives. They went through it. The the testing of their faith produced patience in their life, which in turn helped them to stand strong and to mature. But they had to go through it in the first place. Suffering can try our patience, (laughs) but we need suffering to make us patient. They kind of go hand in hand. Suffering can try our patience, but we need sufferings to make us patient. That's what we got to go through. It says, indeed, we count them blessed, happy, who endure. I'm sure that some of the prophets, at the moment of their sufferings, didn't know how how they would make it through. I'm sure some of them. I'm sure God didn't reveal to all of them that they would come out on the other side. Some of them died in their suffering. But we count them blessed because they endured. They stood strong. They stood fast. And they found the fortitude to undergo and and, and bear up so much of the suffering that they had to go through. And now they have become our examples and we read about them that this, this is what it means to have patience. The word that James uses for patience here is not so much waiting but enduring. Enduring plays a vital part in our maturity in Christ. It plays a vital part in living a practical Christian life. Because enduring speaks of not giving up, persevering. (laughs) Because it's not just a matter of waiting on the Lord. It's also a matter of enduring the hardships as we wait on the Lord. I think, again, I don't think we have a proper perspective when it comes to hardships because they are just a part of life. And as Christians, we're not exempt from hardships. Everybody in the world will go through hardships. And so we are not exempt. And I think oftentimes when we don't have a proper perspective of hardships, then we can easily give up. We can easily throw in the the towel and say, I can't do this. And when we do that, when we give up, when we throw in the towel, it shows our immaturity. It really does. Now, again, man, I stand up here saying, I totally understand that. 
couple of weeks ago, it just, I was there. I, I, I wanted to throw in the towel thinking, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And it was interesting because I was counseling at the time, which was kind of odd, because they were kind of going through it, and I'm t- telling them, commiserating with them, going, man, I'm right there right now. And that person's probably thinking, why am I here talking with this guy that's ready to give up? You know, and, and I remember telling them, you know, I have a choice to make. This week even, I was telling them, I have a choice to make because Thursday is coming and I get up and teach on Thursday and I have a choice of either going up or not going up. I could have called one of the many guys that I have here. And yet I had a choice to make because it's like, okay, Lord, do I give up? Or do I know better? (laughs) Because if I give up, I know who wins. The enemy wins. And so if I persevere, if I endure, then I will have victory. (laughs) And so I totally understand. (laughs) I totally understand that, that at the moment of our sufferings, we want to give up. We want to go and hide underneath the rock. And that, honestly, that's where I was at. I think, I don't want to do this no more. But I didn't. <laughs> but wanting to and doing it are two different things. You know, we all want to give up. I can guarantee you, you've probably been there. <laughs> but doing it is another thing. Don't. Don't do it. Again, take it, take it from me. Don't do it. <laughs> it's not a good place to be. When we endure and get through the suffering, we grow and we mature just a little bit more. We really do. But if you give up, you don't. So when we endure the sufferings and we grow and we mature, then other people who are watching us are amazed at the fact that you can endure. (laughs) And they tell you, man, I don't know how you're doing it. And you're saying, if you only knew. (laughs) If you only knew that I I had the towel in my hand and I was ready to chuck it and say, no mas, I don't want to do it. They're amazed. And then we become an example for them of what suffering and patience looks like. Be patient. Don't give up. When it seems everything is going on around your life and you're suffering and you're going, Lord, how much more? Don't give up. James moves on from the prophets to Job. Great. (laughs) And notice that James uses the term, the perseverance of Job, and not the patience of Job. I think we often use the the term, the patience of Job, and we think of poor old Job just sitting there doing nothing and just scraping the sores off of him. It's like, poor Job. No, he endured. He endured. He persevered, even through his suffering. And it is a difficult, it's difficult to find a greater example of enduring while suffering than Job. 
circumstances, everything was against him. Everything was coming against him. He lost his wealth and he lost his health. He also lost all his children. And, who he, and, and the person he didn't lose was his wife. And his wife says, why, 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 Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Thanks, honey. I was already feeling a little low. I'm, I'm thinking, he probably thought, why don't you take her too, God? I mean, man. How's that for encouragement to endure? Curse God and die, honey. Jeez, you're pathetic. But, but maybe he left his wife to teach him how to endure. There's husbands that need endurance. Huh. His friends were also against him. They, they, they came to comfort him. And they began to accuse him of being a hypocrite and deserving the judgment of God. And it also seemed that God was against him. Man, when Job cried out for questions, it seems like, like heaven was quiet. It was silent. No response. Out of order. And yet Job endured. Satan himself predicted that Job would become impatient with God and abandon his faith and turn from God and curse you to your face, he told God. You just take everything away from him and he will curse you. And that didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, it's true that, that Job did question God's will, but he didn't curse God to his face. He, he kept the faith, even though it was hard, he endured. Job said this in Job thirteen fifteen: Though he slay me, I will trust him. Even so, I will defend my own way before him. Job was so sure of God's perfection that he persisted in arguing with him, even though he didn't understand why God was allowing this to happen to him. That's endurance. That's perseverance. What was the intended in, or the in intended by the Lord? It tells us here to show him or to reveal to him that the Lord is very compassionate. Full of pity is what that means. And merciful, full of tender mercy. Job ended up knowing God in a newer and deeper way because of all that he went through. He received a greater blessing in the end, it says, than the beginning. We, we, we may not know or understand why God allows things to happen in our lives like like he allowed to happen in, in Job's life. And there are great mysteries of God's working and our little pea brains up here cannot fathom how or why he does that. Our finite minds cannot comprehend it. But this we know, that God was glorified even in Job's life. And God can be glorified in our life if we endure Job was purified through the difficult experiences that he went through. And there was this quote, You see, if there is nothing to endure, we cannot learn endurance. 
If there is nothing to endure, then we cannot learn endurance. Guys, we need to be patient and endure. (laughs) Verse 12, it says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear, neither by heaven or by by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. He says, do not take or do not make empty oaths. He's not talking about profanity. Do not swear, although you shouldn't be doing that either. The warning here is be patient. Don't say anything that you really can't do or or fulfill. It is. You see, it is so easy when you're going through difficult situations to start making bargains with God. Instead of being patient as you're going through, through, through things in your life. It's so easy to bargain with, with Him in the midst of difficult situations. Be careful. Because more than likely, those bargains that you're making with God, you cannot keep. So be patient and when you speak. So it is better not to swear or make an oath. Be patient before you speak. If you wait before you speak, you don't have to backtrack. <laughs> you, you, you don't have to take back your words. You don't have to try and get out of the promises that you have promised. <laughs> Again, Jesus on the sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 33-37 said this, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely. You shall not perform, or, but shall perform your oath to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor by your own head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. James is saying exactly what Jesus says. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything other than that will show that you really didn't wait before you spoke. (laughs) It will show that you didn't use wisdom in waiting to be patient before you speak. Be patient. (laughs) The coming of the Lord is at hand. Be patient. Persevere and endure. Be patient. Think before you speak. I want to leave you with this in James 1, 2, and 4. As he started this letter, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Be patient. (sighs) Be patient. 
Let's stand as we close in prayer. Father, your, your love is so good to us, Lord. Your compassion and your mercies are everlasting, Lord. Lord, you've been trying to teach us this lesson throughout this whole book. That if we are patient, if we allow patience to work, you will perfect it in us, Lord. Oh, it takes a long time. We understand that, Lord. But day in and day out, you want to teach us that, Lord. Lord, I know just personally for me, Lord, you've just been teaching me so much through this book, Lord, and what it means to be patient. (laughs) And I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. Lord, I know that they struggle with it just just like I do, Lord. The times that things don't go the way we want them to, Lord, we want to give up. And I pray, God, that you would help us not to. And Lord, even if we think it, that we would not follow through. Oh, Lord, you love us too much, Lord. Help us, Lord, even when we speak, Lord, to be patient. (laughs) To think before we do. To trust you, Lord. Lord, I know that my brothers and sisters, if they haven't already, even this morning while we've been been sitting here, I know that they will be tested in this as they walk out the doors, Lord. And so, Jesus, I just pray for them, that you would protect them, that you would remind them of what it means to be patient. You, You are at hand, Lord. You are coming back, Lord. Help us to trust you in all that. Lord, I pray that if there's any this morning who are here, Lord, they don't know you, Lord. They haven't come to know you, Lord. I pray that this morning you would capture their heart, that you would cultivate their heart right now, Lord God, and open it up. And regardless of what the topic has been this morning, Lord God, you brought them here to hear your word, and I pray that you would save them now, Lord, and that you would just release them from the bonds of Satan, and they would be free. Blessed be your name, Lord, that you are worthy to be praised. All honor and glory belongs to you, Lord. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for showing yourself this morning. 